0: Our first scripture reading is taken from Psalm 121. Don't be we just change it, so don't be surprised what you are seeing on your yeah. I am reading from one to eight. I raise my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth God won't let your foot slip your protector won't fall asleep on the job no Israel protector never sleeps or rests the Lord is your protector the Lord is your shade right beside you. The sun won't strike you during the day. Neither will the moon at night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. God will protect you will protect your very life. The Lord will protect you on your journeys. Whether going or coming, from now until forever, from now. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word.
1: Our gospel reading for this morning comes to us from Luke chapter 18, the first eight verses. Listen to the word of the Lord. Jesus was telling them a parable about their need to pray continuously and not to be discouraged. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him asking, Give me justice in this case against my adversary. For a while he refused, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or respect people, but I will give this widow justice because she keeps bothering me. Otherwise, there will be no end to her coming here and embarrassing me. The Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Won't God provide justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he be slow to help them? I tell you, he will give them justice quickly. But when the human one comes, will he find faithfulness on the earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. Let's pray. God of the dispossessed, You teach us to hunger for justice, even when the weak are shut out and the powerful turn over in their beds. In the heat of our anger and the bitterness of our complaints, give us the courage to protest, the persistence to pray, and the hearts to love. Through Jesus Christ, the true judge. Amen. few weeks ago, I was at Credo, this retreat for Presbyterian pastors put on by our Board of Pensions, and the whole goal of it is to promote pastoral well-being, and the learning goal for the week was to create what they call a rule of life, which is an old monastic term for a set of commitments that you make to live your life intentionally before God. Rule of life might include things like, I want to pray more, I want to exercise more, that that kind of thing. And so we were towards the end of the week and had the whole morning to ourselves to contemplate and write our rule of life. And I'll be honest with you that I wasn't feeling all that inspired. Uh, So I I took a canoe ride. There was a, a small pond on the camp that we were staying at. And on this canoe ride, I was planning on thinking about this rule of life and I just couldn't get into it because I feel like I don't need a list of things to try to make my life better. I've I've tried such lists over the years and give it a couple weeks and I just fail. And I know by now that I'm not like one click away from becoming a more holy me. (laughs) I know that in the business world, like self-optimization is all the rage. And I'm somebody who can get excited about a new routine. You know, like I said, a month or two, I'm left the same old me with the same old body aches and grumpy parts of my soul <laughs> well intact. Well, As a uh, storyteller and as a teacher, Jesus of Nazareth was an undeniable genius. For 2,000 years, millions upon millions of people have been studying his words, trying to understand what it is that he said and what it is that he meant. And for all of that wondering we still time and again go, I don't know what it is he means. We're still just guessing. This, to me, is a sign of true genius. A few weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the unjust steward, which I said was Jesus' most difficult parable to understand. And this one is not a whole lot easier. Luke begins by saying, you know, his intent with this parable is to teach us about our need to pray continuously and to not be discouraged. Well, when I read that, I don't know about you, but I I already feel discouraged, and the story hasn't even begun yet. (laughs) Because when it comes to praying continuously, I'm not doing all that well. Uh, For starters, I sleep every night, and I haven't figured out a way to pray while I sleep yet. So I'm failing there. And then when I'm awake, even at my most prayerful times, can I say that I'm praying continuously? No. I'm not even close. And so Jesus' goal to encourage us, to me, seems like a fool's errand. But let's, let's give the man a hearing. He is Jesus after all. So the story begins with a judge. that A certain judge, he said, who neither feared God nor respected people. And so right off the bat, we know this is a bad judge. He's not good at his job. And The Bible says over and over again that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we know this judge is unwise. And you should know like fear of the Lord doesn't mean like being afraid of God. It's, it's about respect. It's about understanding that our lives are not autonomous, but instead we live our lives accountable to a power greater than ourselves, to a story greater than, than ourselves, And this judge doesn't understand that. Nor does he respect people. And so we should expect that he's going to be a really bad judge. And it turns out, he is. This <laughs> so widow comes to him looking for justice and receives none. At that time, widows were some of the most vulnerable people in society, which is why, continually throughout the Old Testament, God reminds the Israelites to take special care... To look out for the widows and the orphan and the stranger. See, God's justice is not blind. God's justice makes special provision to the acutely vulnerable that they receive what they need. And so this widow comes asking for justice. And she's deferred. But nevertheless, she persisted. And the judge finally grants her request. And he does so in order to not be embarrassed by her. He grants her to man not because he cares about justice, but because he's concerned about his own reputation. And so Jesus closes the parable saying, listen to what the unjust judge says. Won't God provide justice for his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? He will give them justice quickly. Well, this this is not an easy parable to understand. It's clear that Jesus is contrasting the judge with God. That much, I think, we can get our minds around. That God, when answering our prayers, isn't acting out of fear of embarrassment. God is actually eager to hear our prayers and to answer them. That, that much makes sense. But what about, what about this widow? Most interpretations recognize that while God is not like the judge, the widow is often understood as someone that we are to emulate, That we are to persist in prayer as the widow persists with the judge. And so in this reading, the judge is understood as a contrast character. God is not like that. But the widow is then understood as a comparison character. Be like her. Never give up. That's the most common reading. I don't like it. If Jesus' point is that we are to pray and to pray... And to pray and to never stop pleading with God, then no matter how much we say God is not like the unjust judge, we will end up treating God as though God were the unjust judge. If we are to be like the widow, then prayer is understood as a struggle, a perpetually asking God for what we want. God, give me this. God, give me this. Please, God, I mean it. I'm serious. God, please give me what I need. This vision of prayer doesn't make me want to pray more. It just makes me tired. It actually makes me want to pray less. See, if prayer is about changing God's mind or somehow proving to God how earnest I am in my request, then I am just not interested. But what if we see both characters as contrasts? That just as the judge is not like God. What if we are intended to not see ourselves as disenfranchised victims who must, who must scratch and claw to get what they need from God? You see, the world may mistreat you and might even victimize you. That's true. But in God's sight, you are someone who need not beg or plead to get a divine audience. You are God's child. Those of you who have children, imagine your child coming to you in a moment of acute need and and begging you and pleading with you just to be heard. How how would that make you feel as a parent? Wouldn't you be hurt? (laughs) As a parent, all you want to do is to be there for your child. All you want to do is to wrap your arms around them and say, I am here for you and I will do everything in my power to help you. If that's how we treat our own children, how would it be any different with God? You are a child of the Most High God with all of the rights and the privileges and responsibilities of royal sons and daughters. And so when you pray... Pray with this kind of confidence, with this assurance that you will be heard the first time. See, prayer is not about changing God's mind. It's not even about getting what you want. Prayer is about becoming aware of the divine presence. Which is all around you, sustaining you and upholding you. We pray not to change God's mind, but we pray so that the love of God might change our minds. That's why we pray. And in this vision prayer, it's not a struggle. It's an ever-present invitation to be held by divine love. I lift up my eyes to you. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. It's true that the life of faith often feels like a struggle. But in the end, our struggle is not with God. God is always on our side, always loving us. Our struggle is to trust that love, to trust that no amount of prayer or service, no rule of life is what makes us right in God's sight. We are already right, already good enough. That's what grace means. As I floated around the pond in that canoe, I decided I didn't want to think about my rule of life. (laughs) So instead, I just, it's a beautiful day, perfect weather, I just basked in this moment, basked in divine love. And as I floated along, a song came to mind, one that I used to play for Asher in the car when he was a little boy. And the song is of a parent singing to their child. And the song says, you don't have to believe. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to run around and figure it all out. You don't have to do what people say that you should. You just got to be who God made you. Because God made you good. Suddenly, I realized... I have unlocked the key of my rule of life. And I think I've unlocked the key of life itself. <laughs> Which is that God isn't asking you to pray more, to believe this or to obey more, to give more of your money. No. God is inviting you to see the gift that you already are. That you always have been. And that being who God made you, it's, it's actually enough. It's more than enough. It's exactly who God created you and calls you to be. And when you rest in that assurance, when you begin to like come awake and aware to that assurance, then everything in your life, all of it becomes prayer. When you live in the assurance of God's love, then when you go to work and like work on stuff, that becomes prayer. Prayer. The conversations you have with your coworkers, with someone at the grocery store, with your loved ones, all of those become prayer. Walking your dog, listening to the sports radio, that becomes prayer. Your emails, God, how I hate emails, those too become prayer. Even your sleep becomes prayer. You rest in the divine assurance of God's love and you awaken to the same. Friends, here's the good news. You don't need to beg and plead before God because God is not the unjust judge. God is the divine parent who is too busy loving you to bother being disappointed with you. And you, you are a child of the divine, forever loved and cherished by the one from whom all things come. Be still and know that this is who God is. And this is who you are. Amen.
2: Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that. Be still and still and know. Be still and.